Welcome to This Week in Local, a Locology podcast featuring lively conversations about the local digital ecosystem, hosted by Locology analysts Mike Bolin and Charles Lachlan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Week in Local. I'm Charles Lachlan, Senior Analyst at Locology, and today I'm joined by Matthew Marks, who's the CEO of Evocalize. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Charles, thanks for having me. Really excited to uh, chat it up today. Okay, so give us a few stats that explain your operational scale. Give us a sense of who you are, what you do, and how big you are, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and no, that sounds great. So we um, we started uh, the business. We're about seven years old, and um, and uh, to give you a, a flavor of how many businesses we help, we have about a million uh, local businesses now, locations on the platform. Uh, in various industries. Uh, we started out in real estate, so we have a pretty large um, group of um, uh, real estate agents, teams, and brokers on using the platform. And we're, we're croaching up on, uh, not, not every one of those uses it every single day. Uh, so uh, I always think an interesting stat is like usage over time. And so we're, cro- we're, we're encroaching on about 100,000 monthly unique uh, visitors uh, for businesses that are using the platform uh, every month. So uh, there are more than that that fully automate themselves and aren't logging in every day, but uh, I think that's a pretty good measure of uh, of what we're doing. And then final stat for you: we've we've uh, over the the past three or four years, we've uh, we've run over uh, probably two hundred million dollars in local uh, local media marketing spend now. Okay, okay. So we'll get back to a couple of those points a little later. Um, Every one of these podcasts touches on AI, uh, not just our podcast. I think a podcast about sports is probably talking about AI half the time now. <laughs> um, so I'm going to ask one AI question, but the, the answer might be um, fairly involved. And the, the way I'm going to ask it is you've, you've rolled out some AI features and tools and, and you've made it a significant component of your platform. I, I don't think that... I think that's kind of table stakes now. I think you probably would agree. Maybe table right. stakes is a little strong, but that's probably about how anyone would put it. What I want to know is what among the the sort of the things that AR is being used by your customers to do, what are they actually using and getting benefit from? And what are the things that are sort of great press release fodder, but aren't really being engaged with? Talk about that. That's a great question. So one of the, and I agree with you, by the way, at a meta point, uh, there are, there are some, some time-based advantages if you, if you can move quickly here, but over time, uh, every every tool, every platform, and certainly ours, will evolve to be uh, to be AI and, and generative AI in, in a lot of ways. First, we've been using different. I mean, AI is such a broad term. We've been using yeah. different different types of AI in our platform for many years. Uh, but of course, large language models have changed the game in in terms yeah. of what I would call computer human interaction, right? Or how the natural language evolves um, with people interacting with software, and then. And then software interacting with your data to make verbiage or narrative. It's been in the background for quite some time, right? It's it's now smack yeah. dab in the forefront. And yeah. I would argue, you know, within a year, it's going to be really in your face, right? So mm-hmm. the co-pilot craze is is on, right? So yeah. uh, for, for us, uh, the for us, again, we've been using machine learning in uh, traditional machine learning techniques um, in like optimization across platforms and and trying to um, get a bead on what a locations uh, results will be for the, for their for their marketing spend uh, for a number of years, but the latest uh, the latest bit that we've really invested some time in, and again, I think this is just a move the movement that's coming. To your point, Charles, uh, we've we've done some some work. We sent a team down to OpenAI in San Francisco back in February, 
And of course, now they're one game of many, right? But but then they were the they were the game in town, right? And so we sent a team down, and we do a lot of work helping local businesses to um, just with the press of a button take the data for their products, um, their li- home listings, and all of the, the the facets of a home listing from geolocation to neighborhood information, all that other data, um, the promotions on on products, uh, and some templated. Uh, pros around around marketing those things, and we take all that and we we ship it off to large language models, and we get back with some with some data around it, and get back um, really nice specific marketing pros and marketing language that's specific to that thing you're advertising for your location right now, and that's been the biggest the the most heartily used thing in our in our whole suite uh, in in the AI world, which is. How do you write better turnkey out of the box marketing, but not just generically for your location, for what you're trying to market right now? So instead of saying new home for sale, you know, in Chelsea, I can say brick rambler down the street from, you know, Central Park with a right. And so you're able then without having to know any of that, right? Some really pros. And then we're feeding the results back into the models. So we're able over time to improve. And we've improved about 30% on our starting point. So uh, by, by the actual results for cost per lead or return on ad spend that are coming down mm-hmm. at the end of the day. So it's it's getting there. Okay. So this copy creation, is it becoming less repetitive because it can analyze what's being repetitive, for example? Um, I mean, kind of talk about from a, just a creative standpoint, how better it is. Yeah. It is. Well, it's again, the performance tells us at the end of the day, because we spent... You know, we spend time at all stages of the marketing funnel, but, but you know, what, what do local businesses care about? They care most about people walking in the door, right, sure. um, and buying their products. And so we spend more of our time as a company uh, at the, you know, mid and low part of the sales funnel. So, uh, so the performance says it's 30% better than the templated copy, right, uh, already. And it's getting better every month. So, what did, I mean, did it go from zero to one and then from one to 10? I mean, how fast did it get to 30%? Yeah, well, um, we're, gosh, what is it, August now? So we're, we're four or five months in to running it. Uh, mm-hmm. We gradually walked it out with some of our clients uh, and partners. So we'd roll out a, a group of, um, you know, 5,000 businesses or 10,000 businesses at a time. We probably have... Uh, gosh, a uh, hundred thousand ish businesses um, using it now. Not all of our partners are using it yet, but uh, so it's, it's getting better. I've, I expect it'll hit an efficiency curve, an efficiency frontier um, where we'll have to do some new things. Um, the models are getting a lot better. We haven't really evolved our models yet. We've spent a lot of time on the data that we're feeding into the models and making an infrastructure that can be portable because mm-hmm. we don't, we don't want to battle on the model front. We think, you know, Anthropic and and uh, OpenAI and and uh, you know and Meta and they're in Google. They're going to do the battling at that level, and and Amazon a little bit, and Microsoft. They're going to do the battling on the fundamental model standpoint. What we want to do is be great at using our local businesses' data to help them drive increased performance on whatever model works best that day. So it's their data. It's not industry data. It's et cetera. It's their data. That's right. That's right. It's okay. their data. And, and you're going from, just to put a, a cap on it, Charles, you're going from templated language with like product name and location filled in as variables in the in the text to 
unique language for that product or service uh, at your location with knowledge of the geography of your location. And it uh, it's really, really nice. We still put it in front of our our local business before it goes out. Um, we can fully automate it, but we're, we're still walking into that because we don't, it has a hallucination problem sometimes. We're getting better at that, mm-hmm. but we don't want it to invent something that would be misleading. So can you quantify how this hallucination problem has tracked since it began? Was it like at every other post for a while? Now it's every 10th post. I mean, talk about, if you can, how that improvement um, process has been. I would say we're, we're gaining confidence uh, um, every month. We've gotten, you know, it's gotten somewhat better. I wouldn't say it was a, it was an every, every it's other. a linear every, progression of improvement. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's, it was an every other post problem at the beginning. It was. That was a guess. It was, yeah, it was, it was, you know, five or 10% when uh-huh. that launched, right? And I think we're, we're in this, at least the single digits, if not below that in terms of um, issues down. So we're gradually you know, testing and evolving that to, to we want it to be fully automated, right? So a lot of our platforms- Does hallucination to, have to be zero for this to be fully automated? Does- um, I think you have to guard against the biggest problem, the biggest risks, mm-hmm. right? So hallucination in, in terms of price is really bad, yeah. right? Um, so that's a lot of what we're talking about internally with our engineering team and our data science team is how do you guard against the risky parts of the- uh, like a hallucination that's going to cause somebody to lose their job. That's right. That's right. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. there's yeah. risk out there. It's misleading advertising and trade practices. Yeah. If you're saying, you know, mis- misleading yeah. things. So, uh, so that's why we're, why we're being careful as we walk in. Quick it's- pause. When we say hallucination, we mean when the, the AI essentially makes something up. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> AI makes something up. Yep. It, in <laughs> fact, in the early days, you know, we had, uh, we had some homes that, uh, that it, invented fireplaces for it invented uh, additional yeah. garage I buy that house yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah right yeah it sounds nice and warm and cozy in boston in the winter but it turns yeah. out it doesn't actually have a fireplace well i probably so, felt yeah. it should have a fireplace you know yeah okay so the other side of that question was you know are there any features you've launched that you had sort of the ai uh you know uh bunting wrapped around that just hasn't been taken up because it's just not either not there yet or just hasn't shown its value yet. Can you think of anything in that category? Well, one thing we're one thing we're trialing, and I wouldn't. I think yet is this is the kind of um, key word there that you uh-huh. used. But um, I think you know, there's going to be so one of the one of the sometimes gaps in you know, we're, we're trying to we're trying to use data to um, to allow a local operator or local franchise group to run these highly sophisticated digital marketing programs in our, in our world by with no, without advice without human advice right and so mm-hmm. one of the one of the one of the gaps that we've always thought of around the sides are for some people just want a dialogue to confirm that they're making the right decisions as simple as we make them right as simple and as data driven as we make them you can give someone one choice and they still want to This is a conversational component then totally and mm-hmm. so one of the things that we've been working on, and, and I, I would say it's not 100% there yet, but it's, it's getting better, is the idea of a large language model that knows your location, knows your historical marketing performance, knows your data, knows your sales data. We're, we're wiring in sales data and inventory data in most cases into our, into our tech. And so it knows your local business and you're able to ask it questions. 
the, the challenge becomes constraining it. Uh, so, so how does it only give you options that you're, uh, that you're able to execute, that you're, you're able to do, right? And so that's the, that's the thing we're working really hard on now, how to constrain it into, great, these are the five options, right? Not uh-huh. everything in the world is your... Is your so so is the problem that it maybe is just a little too, it hasn't been dialed in yet? Or is the problem that it's been tried by your con- customers and they just didn't get it, couldn't figure out how to... Well, I, we, do, we, do, we do a lot of user testing. So, uh-huh. um, so we've been through quite a, quite a bit of um, you know, one-on-one user testing around this concept. And, and I think that's the part that we're still trying to work out, I would say. So it's, it's not gone out into, into even an alpha state for us yet. It's in uh, you know, a little bit earlier state than that, um, where we do direct user feedback um, one-on-one and user research, watch mm-hmm. users using it. And, and that's been the one thing so far. It'll occasionally invent a new thing to go do that isn't possible, right? Um, it's, it's again, part of the hallucination problem that we're, a lot of folks are trying to solve, including including us in terms of the use of data. Um, but it's how do you constrain it? So you, you only have this number of options that you're able to execute at the end of the day. And once we get there, I think we have a real winner and, and other folks will too, by the way, like that's a real winner where you can have a conversation 24 seven with a digital marketing analyst or expert who knows all of your data, knows all your historical performance, and knows all the things you can execute right now, that's pretty cool. So we're, yeah. we're working pretty hard on that, but it's not there yet. Okay. So an exit question on the AI thread here. <laughs> where, where will this all be in a year, in your opinion? Uh, I think the, the, the uh, example I just gave you, this co-pilot, is going to be pervasive. It's, software mm-hmm. is just going to be different. It's not going to be as much, to me, it's not going to be as much forms. And, you know... Software still is the same way it's been for the last, you know, 15 years. Fill in a box and get a result. Yeah, Yeah, fill in the box. It's form-based. And you have search-based experiences that are a little different. But, like, there's going to be a whole – there's a whole new one, which is conversation-based interfaces. And those are coming everywhere. They're coming for your point-of-sale back office. They're coming for your inventory system, for your CDP, for your marketing platform. They're they're coming everywhere. And, if if, you know, if your platform doesn't get there – in a year, everyone else and their competitors will all have it and, and they'll be at a big disadvantage. Okay. So the next thing I wanted to ask you about may have a strong AI component. It wasn't sort of initially in my first thought, but I see the word push button ease used a lot. In your you know, literature, in your word, your verbiage on your website, and you know, I think I've heard you say that out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that actually mean? I mean, I can infer what it means. Um, and then I think the thing I'm more interested in is what KPIs do you look at that tell you you're achieving push button ease with your customer? Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, so push button ease to us simply means anyone in that business at any time can, without any prior knowledge, can uh, in 30 seconds or less, we measure it 60 seconds or less every single day. I'll talk about the, the funnel and some of the metrics we use to measure but in 30 to 60 seconds or less, you can execute a world-class program without having to know anything else about the business because we don't ask him any questions. It's already been pre-wired with best practices and, uh, and you literally press a button, put in your payment method if it's not in already and you're, you're off and going. So that is our goal in every single case we got because we just think lo- local operators in particular shouldn't be bothered with trying to become marketing experts. So I mean, that's, that's our a, world. Yeah, that, that's a sort of a psychological profile of every small business operator. It's like, they're too busy. And it's not that they're, you know, uneducated or un, 
uh, able in, unable to handle learning technology, they just can't be bothered, right? Yeah. Um, is there anything about that sort of standard um, sort of profile of the small business that you actually would challenge? I mean, is that really true? That if it's not push buttons, they're just going to walk away from it and be a non-user. Well, uh, is there any sort of anything underneath that that you would challenge? Well, what I would say is automation is even easier than pushing a button, right? right. So, uh, so, so, so actually, what we we say push button easy, but I actually don't even love that, frankly, Charles, because because I think you know at the end of the day, and this is why we built our company to begin with, like. The operator doesn't want to have to do anything, right? They they want they want push button is too much work. Is that what you're saying? Push button is too much work. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Push button is too much work. So that's how I would challenge it. I would challenge it maybe in a way you didn't expect, which is they shouldn't even have to push the button. Right? Okay. Right, right now we measure. You act about measures. We measure the the usage funnel very very tightly, right? So we're instrumented from a user comes in. Uh, what what do they push? How much time does it take them to get to to step two of being presented with a couple of the options that they have. In some cases, um, every program is di marketing program is different for every mm -hmm. business for us. But then, and then, how long does it take them, and what percentage of people get through that conversion funnel uh, each time, right? And so, our product team is 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 on those metrics every single day. In fact, I have a real time dashboard on my other screen that I watch all day long that looks at that metric. Um, sure. because that's the lifeblood that tells you whether you're easy enough. Um, so that's the push button part, but I think striving for full automation, hundred percent automation is really the answer for these industries. Does, I don't know how much, you know, sort of survey research or whatever you do with small businesses to measure these things, but is automation have a negative connotation with any small business? Because that seems like, okay, it's easy, but it's also out of my hands. Yep. I think there's a fear component that sometimes creeps in with full automation, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, so I, in, in, in fact, we probably would have launched a full automation program without the push button easy, uh, if that weren't the case, because what okay. we see a lot in our behavioral research, Charles, is that folks will come in and they'll run one or two or a series of push button easy programs. They'll look at the results, they'll gain confidence, and then they'll set up an automation. Right. And so they'll set up an automation that say looks at their sales data and adjusts marketing spend with intolerances based on their real time sales data or inventory data, issuing promotional marketing based on inventory levels. They'll run some manual programs first to see how it works and get comfortable with that. And then they'll set up a set it and forget it program. And, and I just think that's human psychology. Like I would do that, too, I think. Right. I go set up an automation from day one. Okay, I want to shift gears a little bit, um, kind of talk about the social landscape. Social is a component of the service you provide, obviously. Uh, if you're doing local digital marketing, it better be, right? And <laughs> the landscape has shifted quite a bit. Now, last time I think we talked, we talked about Facebook, I think, if I recall correctly. Yep. And um, now it's meta, it's still Facebook, really. Um, but but the, the landscape has changed. You know, TikTok has blown up. Twitter has blown up. If you want to think of two different... Uh, mean, uh, understandings of the meaning of the phrase blown up. You mean X? <laughs> yes, I was going to ask. Okay, I'll just ask this part. Um, did X nail the branding? Ha! You know, man, it's, it's hard to uh, argue with Elon Musk, you know, and the, the success there, but yeah. I, uh, I think I'm with the crowd on that one. Like, reinventing yeah. an iconic brand like that is, um, 
you know, you, you value something like the Apple and Apple, right? And, and that's the, the business school traditional, you, you, you know, case study of like, what's the value, the goodwill and a brand. Uh, Twitter had goodwill and a brand, right? And, yeah. you know, so, so I, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't have had the nerve to do it. I, I, I have to tell you, you know, I'll tell you that if it was my own, you know, $60 billion on the line. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> 54, I think it was, if I remember correctly, but it's a lot of billions. Yeah. Not all of his billions, but enough of them. And yeah, I would think anyway. So, I mean, you know, with the emergence of TikTok and other, I mean, X, we can make fun of X all day long, right? Um, kind of what, how do you sort of think differently about how small businesses need to do social now, given, you know, we've got, you know, is it threads? Or, I haven't even used yeah. it yet, I have to admit. Um, and then, yeah, obviously X, the everything app or whatever that's going to become you know, the emergence of TikTok, it, it's changed a lot. What are you advise? How are you framing this differently with small business? How are you thinking differently about how they need to do social media marketing and so on? Just talk about that for a moment. Yeah. So, um, so we classify the world in, in two halves in this way, right? So mm -hmm. there's one half that's kind of what we would call organic social. And that's the posting on your page and to the group of people who, you know, follow you and, uh, and that's interesting and that's kind of, there's, that evolves in influencer marketing and there's some interesting, mm -hmm. you know, paths that can take. Um, and so I think that's important from an activity standpoint. And when you get into influencer marketing, it can really impact the bottom line. But other than that, you know, a Facebook page reaches in, in some cases less than 1% of the, a post reaches less than 1% of the people who follow your page, right? So as a location, how many followers do I need to have? To, to reach anyone who's going to come in and take any business action, right? And Does so that number mean anything? It, 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 you're going to read, you know, you have, you have 2000 people and you reach 20, right? It's like, how many of them are going to come in your restaurant tonight and, and, and eat or dine, right? It's just, you don't know if they're hungry. You know <laughs> they're probably not, you know? So, uh, so what, well, I think it's a good thing to keep your community mm -hmm. active and posting. We focus on the other half, which is performance marketing, which is paid in, in, that's the lion's share because the platforms want to make money, right? So it's it's like not that they're necessarily bad bad folks. It's just like they have requirements to no, make money. No, but they did optimize this for paid, right? Yes, so, they optimized it for paid, yeah. right? And so they sucked people on with the organic dream and optimized it for paid. Sure. So, um, but but as local businesses, we have to just realize that that happened, right? And That's the world we live in, right? The world we live in. So to me, we spend our world thinking about paid, and paid is really when you're paying. You better get returns, right? So, so that's what we spend a lot of time thinking about. In terms of channels, we think about being omnipresent in your local in your local area or market. Um, that's hard to do on your own, right? And that's why there's technology that exists. You know, we're, we're one of them that helps you run sophisticated performance marketing programs across the TikToks and Instagrams and Facebooks and and Google Google Search and Google Discovery and YouTube and you know all these different locations. Um, so you work with a certain set of verticals, fair to say, right? Restaurants being a big one, real estate you've mentioned as well. I know there's a few others, that's right. some of them are tangential to these, right? Um, given your set of verticals, which platforms perform the best on the Just talk about the paid side. Well, so it gets tricky, right? So, yeah. um, so you get quality versus quantity, um, uh, questions that come up, right? So. Still today, nothing beats uh, for quantity, um, for cost-effective quantity uh, of, say, leads, 
nothing beats a meta platform, uh, Instagram and Facebook. It's just from mm-hmm. a, a, like, if you're a lead generating business, you're, you're recruiting or you're, uh, or, or you're well, they've been building that for the longest, right? They have been building, they have a, just an amazing amount of data, but yeah. that's versus Google, right? So Google, I would argue Google, YouTube and discovery now are getting to parity in some cases, beating meta in terms of cost per lead. Google search is the king, especially when you're looking at using uh, long tail keywords, mid and long tail keywords for a location, say to target the neighborhoods uh, around your location automatically, mm-hmm. you get higher quality in those cases often. So there's this often this quality versus quantity. And really when we build these programs, turn, turnkey programs, we build a mix because you don't want to be all one or all the other. You want to be a mix of volume, quantity, and really high quality um, because they're just the different types of people come into them at different times. Um, so that's how, I, but one of the interesting, uh, tidbits I'll tell you is Google, Google discovery ads, which are again, Gmail, uh, some of the Google search, um, visual oriented Google search, uh, units and, uh, YouTube, some YouTube experiences and others that is working really, really well for our local businesses across industries right now. So, mm-hmm. um, for anyone out there listening, uh, that's a great tip. You can go do it on your own, even go into Google, you know, Google, uh, run some discovery ads uh, around your locations, really, really uh, performing uh, well for us. Okay, we could dig into that for a while, but I want to move on to a couple more quick things before we wrap up. <laughs> um, last year, you raised some money. Early last year, I believe you announced like a $12 million raise. You know, right. It's no big secret that uh, since then it's gotten tough, not just for any business that's raising money. So I don't know if you need to raise money anytime soon. I, I don't even, I mean, that's not really the question. The question really is, if you were in that position, how would you have to change your business now, given the, the environment for raising money, if at all, to, to in order to put yourself in a position to raise now? Yeah. What, talk about that. Yeah. So um, you're right. The, the, uh, the B2B SaaS software market changed uh, kind of in the blink of the eye. Uh, right after what, after we finalized our last uh, round, yeah, your timing wasn't bad. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't bad. And there, there are a lot of reasons it ended up even better than that. Cause we, we, um, anyway, the, the metrics were pretty good, but the, um, fortunately we're not in a position as a company that we need to raise right now. Um, we still have folks and I, I would say to any, uh, entrepreneurs out there, there are a lot of venture capitalists that that are still looking at putting putting money to work. I mean, we we're still getting calls every week, um, and so so there's there's still a lot out there, uh, especially for the for industries that are really interesting. That calls and from people who want to invest in you. Want to yeah, want that, to invest. Has the nature of those types of calls changed over the? Are they bigger, smaller, from different sectors, et cetera? Um, I would say they're very focused now. Folks who have very specific theses on uh, on the particular um, area that you're working in, and and so it's not as broad based rush as it was for you know just deploying capital and powder. It's more focused on let me pick the the top five or ten folks uh, within a general the- market thesis and go after building relationships with them, and so. So I think that I don't think that's that's altogether unhealthy. Frankly, I think it's hard for some entrepreneurs. Um, you know, in, in it's hard for a lot of entrepreneurs. So I don't want to minimize that, but it that's good because frankly, we're wasting a lot of time before I think talking with lots of folks who weren't specifically focused in your area. So that's one. And definitely, the profile has changed. Everyone, including us, we, everyone is focused on 
Uh, it's not a growth at all cost. It used to be a growth at all cost in industry. We've never really operated fully that way, even though we've been- It never made sense to me. I mean, I know it made sense to VCs, but- <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, so so I think, you know, it's there's everyone's heard this by now that's in this space, but there's a there's a focus on profitability and sustainability. Right. And we have, we've, we've been no different. We, we've focused on sustainability, profitability, uh, and, and we feel like that allow that allows you to, to raise when you need to raise. You raise on your own terms and you're, you, you raise with the right partners, with the right timing in order to really grow. And you don't get yourself stuck in these sky high valuations that really pigeonhole you for exits down the road, right? Um, no matter yeah. what you choose to do. It seems like people are more interested in talking about their ARR than how much money they've just raised, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's healthy, right? I mean, yeah, I, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. The race to the biggest round to me was a, was kind of a negative thing, you know, it, um, you know, incentivized. One of the things I like, yeah. the thing I like to say is that the amount of money somebody just raised is the least interesting, least interesting thing about that company. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yep. Agree. Okay. One last quick question. What's the toughest thing about ra- running a business like yours right now? We just talked about raising money, so you don't have to put that on the list, but uh, what are, just in, given the environment and whether that's labor or any other issue just give me a few yeah i would say you know i would say the rapid change in venture like what we just talked about is probably the hardest thing now we've adjusted by now but if you rewind six months eight months nine months the the rapid change somewhere around you know end of summer beginning of fall last year in the venture capital advice and expectations from a grow 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 why aren't you dumping more money why aren't you burning more money you can always go raise more money to the uh, whoa, 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 you know, um, don't burn, get profitable. That's a whipsaw for a business, right? And if you had to do any cuts, we did a small cut. Yeah, we did a, a, unfortunately a modest, a modest cut. You know, we're, um, the other thing for us, Charles is, you know, we started in, in a large percentage we started in residential real estate and a large portion of the residential real estate industry, um, runs on us, on our technology in one way or the other, uh, we're white labeled in most, most cases. So folks don't know it's us, but but in, in you might have heard about the residential real estate space having a little bit of a challenge. It's, it's, it's had some, some bumps, yeah. Yeah. So fortunately, we've been insulated a little uh, from that. From a local marketing spend has has taken a lot less of a hit than in local marketing than than the corporate marketing uh, areas have. But that's accelerated our distribution and distribution outside of that industry. To uh, again, you've heard me talk about mortgage uh, or, or restaurants. We've gone into to mortgage because we see that. Uh, as rates starts to fall next year or the year after, we see that um, starting to take off again. Uh, we've got um, uh, health and fitness. We've got general franchise. So there are lots of these other areas that we've accelerated into because real estate has just had been going through a cyclical, you know, difficult time after a lot of up years. Okay. All right. We could talk about a lot more, but we're going to have to end it there, I'm afraid. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This has been This Week in Local. Stay tuned every week for more episodes. I'm your host, Charles Lachlan. My co-host is Mike Bolin. Thanks to today's guest, Evocalize CEO, Matt Marks. You can find this show on all major podcast networks, and you can learn more at Locology.com. Please subscribe, like, and review this podcast. Your engagement really helps others find us. Our producer is Dara Sweat. Thanks for listening, and see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Locology's This Week in Local with Mike Bolin and Charles Lachlan. Be sure to subscribe for more.